Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Weekend Review Show. And we are all firmly in international mode this weekend, recharging those batteries ahead of that all-important end-of-season running. But with the road to Qatar well up and running for England and for the rest of Europe, we'll be reviewing the Three Lions' performance as they won 2-0 away in Albania. And as Gareth Southgate's side made it two wins from two, thanks to goals from Harry Kane and Mason Mount, we'll be assessing the latest picture ahead of this summer's European Championships. And then in part two of the podcast, we are taking a look at domestic matters with two massive breaking Premier League news stories this weekend. Widespread reports are claiming that Manchester City are preparing for life after Sergio Aguero next season, with the man that everybody wants, Erling Haaland, topping their shopping list as a replacement and other reports suggesting a shock and wild move for Romelu Lukaku. And in the subject of strikers potentially leaving their club, we'll be returning to Kane. He gets a second gig on the podcast today after the England skipper is rumoured to be demanding showdown talks with the club. He wants to win the Premier League and he could be on his way out of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So plenty to get through. My name's Fergal Brennan and joining me today, we have the Manchester City correspondent for Goal.com, Jonathan Smith. Jonathan, how are you? I'm very well. Like you say, recharging in batteries. It's going to be a busy uh, end of the season for City. So just enjoying watching a bit of football with no pressure on it. Uh, and one man who never stops, international break, coffee break, lunch break, broken window. He never stops working. He never stops podcasting. We have the champ, Ant McGinley. Ant, how's things? Very well, and uh, considering at the start of the brand new episode of The Champ, which went live today, this wrestling with The Champ, it starts off with me in hospital. So, uh, yes, the breaks all through <laughs> is the right way. Is the right way to talk it. You called it out right there. 
<laughs> right, breaking news, breaking bones if you're ants, breaking all sorts, breaking records uh, if you are Harry Kane as he scored his first goal in 14 months to get that particular monkey off his back. Right then, England, Jonathan, two wins from two games in World Cup qualification, two clean sheets as well for Nick Pope and his defence. Lots of positives to take, lots of positive individual performances, but more squad conundrums for Southgate as he looks to pick that 23 for this summer. Um, Albania obviously represented a big step up from strolling past San Marino in midweek, which was a bit of a non-event, bit of a nothing performance. But given the fact that there was a bit more pressure, a bit more expectation, England stepped up and they responded well. Yeah, it was a little bit of a step up in quality compared to that San Marino game. I don't think Albania were great, but it was, uh, you know, I think we're all sort of these games have come along at the wrong time but they are very important you know obviously and in, in, in when the world cup starts we want england to be there so it's important that they win these games and uh, it was a controlled performance against albania they, you know they dominated possession they never really looked in trouble i know that albania had that one chance but like you say you know another clean sheet and i think that's possibly the biggest positive to take is that the defense looks very very solid now we, we We've seen John Stones come back into the squad. I think that was the one area that was really sure. I think Harry Maguire, we've known for a while, is a, a top international defender. You know, he's done it with United, playing in Europe regularly. They're just sort of challenging for the league, although probably out of it by now. But, you know, he's a very good player. But he was, it was who was going to play alongside him. And I think John Stones has come back after that terrible time at the Nations League where he was all over the place. He's obviously been very, very effective for City this season and he's taken that form straight back into England without any problems. So I think that's one area solved going into the Euros. Uh, and alongside him, you know, lots of options now at fullback. Luke Shaw playing his first game in a long time, looked very good, it's contributed to the uh, opening goal. So a lot of uh, excitement, I think. Um, and we're going to look at the changes in just a second, but consistency and, and players that are playing regularly in these qualifiers are going to give us a bit of a hint of, of Southgate's plans for this summer. And John Stones, as Jonathan points out there, was one of the players to keep his place, one of just four players, Nick Pope, John Stones, Mason Mount and, and Raheem Sterling, another Manchester City player. We are getting a little bit of a sense now of the picture forming of, of who is in Southgate's starting plans. And John Stones, you know, you both as, as Manchester City fans and, and people that watch a lot of Manchester City this season will be not particularly surprised. John Stones has been excellent, but there's seemed to be this kind of point that he needed to prove to England uh, about just how good he is and about this recovery that he's undergone in the last 12 months. Yeah, I I, I think recovery is, is a word I've heard in a lot of places about John Stones, but I, I don't think he really ever lost his skill or his ability or talent. Uh, you know, it may be as simple as he just lost his place in, in the starting lineup, or there's other stuff going on that we may never n know about. But he's definitely playing with... I mean, th there's, there's elements of it. If you look at footage of him playing from a couple of years ago and playing now, you wouldn't really spot that difference up close. But th there definitely seems to be a maturity and, and a sense of being a little more relaxed, which is the worst thing you, I suppose you could say about a defender is being relaxed. But then when I think of relaxed defenders, I think of the likes of Maldini, which is not bad company to keep. In terms of where we're at, there's, there was a lot of stuff. I don't know if you saw this as well, Jonathan, online before the game today. People going, oh, why are we playing two holding midfielders against Albania? Blah, 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 blah. And 
seemed to be like a very negative approach. And I think this was an opportunity for him to maybe set up how he's going to go against um, against Poland, possibly. You know, it's a dry run for that. Obviously, it's still a qualifier. It's still an important game. I don't think there was really any doubt, although, uh, you know, Albania did not make it too easy for us, especially in the in, in the first half. Um, I think you are moving towards a place where you're starting to go, okay, you're in, you're in, you're in. I think the the real big question is is about starting in goal because obviously Pope's just broke this record. He's had some very easy games to help get into that of six games where uh, his first six games in goal for England, he's uh, he's not conceded. Uh, Pickford's obviously sort of been out, and Pickford's been somebody that Southgate stuck with all the way through his tenure pretty much. But I've been so impressed with Pope, not just. Um, you know, in, in the last couple of weeks, but ever since he sort of broke through at um, at Burnley, and I, I don't know if you remember this as well, Jonathan, but there was this wonderful uh, tweet that Burnley put out during a game uh, where Gabriel had uh, almost snatched a winner right at the end, and the, uh, the Burnley tweet came out that says, uh, "Pope saves Jesus," which <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> is fantastic. But there was um, the, the last time I was on here with you, Fergal, we didn't get around to chatting about it, but. A lot of people have said, and I even heard the commentators talking about it today, about how the one thing that Pope lacks against Pickford is his distribution. Yeah, I saw him uh, for Burnley a couple of weeks ago playing almost Edison-like. He has that eye, you know, obviously I don't see him as closely and watch him as much as other players, but I think Pickford has got a lot in his locker and I, I think he's put a really good case in for it. And then also we we see the interesting sort of uh, comeback of Luke Shaw. So you know maybe with the likes of of Stones uh, and Shaw, you've got two great comeback stories in there as amongst as anything. And of course we, we we're potentially going to have a full Manchester defensive line as well when we go to the Euros. Obviously, Jonathan, when you look at the performance against San Marino, and then again today. 2-0 and the second half reaction arguably said a bit more about a, men a mental position for England players and Gareth Southgate. We've danced this dance with England before, a difficult potential banana skin away from home in a in a hostile, you know, I'm throwing out all the cliches here, hostile environment, blah, 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 blah. Um, and England have gone into their shell a little bit, looked to hold on, kind of maybe ridden a bit of a storm in the second half, maybe get a second off a set piece just to completely tick the box. But that wasn't the case. They pushed on, there was a goal threat throughout the second half and then Mason Mount got himself on the score sheet 2-0 and that's tick box tick, job done, etc. Mason Mount is an interesting one and um, Ant touched on Calvin Phillips there before. He was another one of these players that kept his place from the San Marino uh, mauling or San Marino stroll as I called it at the start of the show. These are players that are benefiting from a little bit of luck with no Jordan Henderson and no Jack Grealish or James Madison because of injury. And they're forcing their way to the forefront of, of Gareth Southgate's mind. And whilst at the end of the season, Southgate will look at everybody and make a decision uh, there and then on, on who goes with him. If he's able to hark back to actual performances in 2021 of people with an England jersey on, scoring goals and performing, that's also going to be uh, something that guides his hand. And I put forward that Mason Mount's been the big winner from this international break for England. I, I, I always thought he had a big chance of making the squad. Gareth Southgate's a big fan of him and he's he's performed well for Chelsea in some massive games, particularly since Thomas Tuchel's come in. But based on the situation and the fact that you do need a little slice of luck every now and again, Mason Mount has really benefited from these games. 
Yeah, I think Gareth Southgate's got this awkward dilemma in that he sees so little of his England squad. And uh, and I think this is the first game together, first time together in four months. And the most important thing is to win these games. And, and he has to pick a team to do that. Obviously, the Poland game coming up is going to be the hardest of these three matches they've got. But while he's, while he's winning these games, he's also got to assess exactly what, what this squad is about, what players fit where. Uh, and you know, when when it comes to the Euros, when it comes to the major competitions, they won't be playing the likes of San Marino and, and Albania. They'll be playing, obviously, when it comes to the latter stages of the competition, Germany and Spain and France and teams like that. And he's got to uh, think of how he's going to his sides that he's going to pick for those games. And I think Mason Mount is one of those players who who fits for all those. Uh, you know, for those games, because he, he, he can do it all. He, he, he works hard for the team. He, he can defend. He, he can stop uh, counter-attacks. He, you know, he, he, he's the first one of the first line of defence when he's playing high up the field. But also, I, I think we saw in the way that he took his goal, that he's, he's a, an absolute goal scorer, he's a goal threat. And England have that now. That side that played against Albania, you've got goals throughout it. Obviously, Harry Kane's superb. Uh, but alongside him, we've got Raheem Sterling, Phil Foden, who score goals, uh, and then you've got Mount, who 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 broke through. He knows exactly knows the runs to make. He was spotted by Kane, and the way he took it, you know, like a seasoned pro, uh, and that's exactly what you need. Particularly if they are going to play this uh, sort of slightly more defensive lineup with Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice as two defensive midfielders. They, they, they're probably going to sit and they don't cr- contribute the goals and maybe you're not getting the same from the width either without Alexander-Arnold or uh, Ben Chilwell so you know you've got four real out-and-out goal scorers and I, I completely agree with you I think Mason Mount has taken his opportunity to to show what he's all about and, and why he will be a I think he will be a key part of Gareth Southgate, Southgate's team for the Euros and do you think it's a problem of perceptions we look at positions on the pitch and we make associations with, with what type of player that should be we think of a defensive midfielder a number six whether that's someone playing on their own or someone playing as a, a part of a two and we associate that with someone who's quite solid physically quite imposing can put their foot in and the names that immediately come to mind for, for England are Declan Rice Jordan Henderson if he's fit Calvin Phillips has um, shown that in flashes in the in these two games Mason Mount can play in a deeper position. He has done it for Chelsea, and we've seen that it, you don't have to be, you know, big bustling physical presence in there, winning tackles to to be a, a quality deep lying midfielder. And given the fact that England are going to face different types of challenges in the European Championships, is it having someone like him who's a, a bit of a Swiss Army knife kind of player without doing him down? Because as I say, he has, he has performed well this season. That will give him maybe the edge on a, a Madison or a Grealish, who, for all their talents, generally always play front foot forward for for Villa or for Leicester. Whereas Mount does have to do a little bit more of the dirty work. Um, with Leicester, there's in Diddy and Tielemans in behind Madison. Uh, for Grealish, I think the entire Villa team, when he's in it, is set up for his strengths. John McGinn, Douglas Louise, um, in there looking to do a bit of the the spade work to to get him pushing forward, and that's all strengthen in Mount's case to be in the squad I think that question kind of comes down to the fact that everyone's going to have a different opinion and it depends on what football you like you know the what kind of you got into and the players that you looked up to and and the the management of the style because 
there's a there's a case for it all and Gareth to the Southgate's in the position where he's got to make that difficult call and, and like I mentioned earlier the fact as soon as he puts in the, the, the double pivot you know people start freaking out why are we playing defensively against this team and he's got to be able to have that option to do that and and the, the great thing we have at the minute is that we are blessed with options like you just all, all those players that you mentioned there's so much talent and obviously you know we're, we're missing Grealish at the minute with, with injury who adds a completely different dimension to things as well we have so much talent in the squad that, um, although there's a couple of preferred uh, of, uh, formations, we, we could almost play any formation, but let's not go down that route. You know, let's not make it too complicated. Let's just work with what, you know, work within sort of the, the bounds of realism. But we have such incredible talent. And also we've got players in there that can play in different positions. And I think that's really going to, uh, that's that's really going to sort of count in people's favours when it comes to picking a squad. When you're limited in how many people uh, that you can bring to the Euros, you know if you can play in multiple positions, uh, then that's really going to count in your favour. And I, I think you know Mount certainly able to do that. Foden, even Phillips, uh, and Stones. We could even play you know Stones up front as an emergency striker the way he's been uh, a little bit of City this season. So I I, I think. You know, it's just going to be endless hours of debate between people. Everybody's got an opinion about it. Everybody's got a thought, but it's all going to come down to what um, what Southgate chooses. And he's, you know, the, the, it's a great time for him to be in this position, England manager with this squad. And nobody's going around saying that it's a golden generation like we've had before. Maybe that's because we've we've had our fingers burnt. But I think definitely in terms of the natural talent and the the form that people are in coming into this it's 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 a great place to be in and i think ultimately we are going to find ourselves in a position where we're all going to disagree about it <laughs> but at the end of the day you know it, it, it i don't think anybody's going to complain if their team comes away with a trophy at the end of it Obviously, Jonathan, when you look at it, Southgate has got, you know, again, another old cliche, a headache, but a good headache to uh, to pick from this huge amount of players, particularly if everyone's past fit. And I feel a bit like the doomsayer here, but um, international tournaments are cutthroat, ruthless, short. You've got a month. You have to perform. There's no room for error. There's very little scope to change and look to rejig, particularly, particularly in the knockout stages. England need to be tight, not just the first 11. The entire squad needs to be on top form to make sure that they can make an impact. When you're looking at this from an alternative perspective, a, a rival of France or Germany or Spain, etc., where is England's biggest weak spot? We, you know, we've looked at the goalkeeping situation. There's, there's still a couple of starting eleven positions to be hammered out by Southgate. Where do you think is the biggest potential for England to come unstuck this summer? Uh, you, well, the one, the one thing I would query is can England get back into games if they were to fall behind. You know, we saw that game against Croatia, the World Cup semi-final. Once once Croatia equalised, England kind of ran, of, ran out of ideas. And they've got much more um, alternatives now. A lot of options, um, you know, Ant was just talking through them. Uh, you know, he's a big fan of Jack Grealish and Madison. Um, you know, but also you've got Lingard, who's obviously... Been in brilliant form with West Ham. Rashford's not in the squad at the moment. Mason Greenwood, uh, Callum has Hudson Adoyes with the under twenty ones. Jaden Sancho. You know it's going to be difficult for Gareth Southgate to to uh, you know 
whittling the squad down to the to the twenty three. But my yeah, my big question is, do they have the the people on the bench or the uh, or the tactics to to turn a game around? And that's what we've not seen. You, you're not going to find that out against <clears throat> Albania or San Marino. And hopefully you don't find it out against Poland because you want to be in control of that game and, and win it comfortably. But you know there will be times in tournament football when they're up against it, and, and I'm just not sure that Southgate has that ideas yet, or we've certainly not seen it yet, where he's got a sort of not not necessarily a plan B. You know we don't we don't want to go go back to the idea of sort of bringing Peter to Crouch on and playing him up front because there's, never there's too never. many gifted players. <laughs> yes, but you know he's got he's got skillful players, young skillful players who are fearless. Has he got an idea of right? Okay, let's take the foot off the not the foot off the handbrake. What do you, what do you take off the handbrake? Your hand. What are you driving? <laughs> take, the hand, <laughs> take, take the handbrake off. Take your hand off the footbrake and your foot off the handbrake, <laughs> and keep your eyes on the road. But do something to to really go for it when they need to. That's the, that's the thing, and that's uh, that's the big question mark I would have about this this England setup at the moment. Yeah, um, I think. Do you think it's about ideas, or do you think it, it's about being brave? Because actually, I was kind of kind of screaming at the the, the telly today because I'm like, okay, it's two nil. We're not going to throw this away. Uh, the game's almost over, and yet you're still playing Sterling. You're still playing Kane. Yes, you brought on Lingard and Ward Prowse, but you've got other players on there that you can bring on without disrupting the formation too much blood them in and see what they can do and then that gives you an idea so you know that say for example we bring on Bellingham in the last 20 minutes or Calvert-Lewin for the last five minutes you know that they can do a job that needs to be done and I I, I just I just worry that that and I I don't know if it may be maybe Southgate is being a bit old school and not just kind of like handing out England caps uh, or if, if it's just trying to give people more minutes together i'm not sure which is more important but then you know i'm not a professional manager but just oh, I, I, I can, oh, oh sorry no, i was gonna say i can i completely agree I, I think sometimes he's a little reticent to really go for it when when we've been used to watching domestic football with klopp and guardiola who who destroy teams by munich in champions league you know, they don't just score one, sit, sit on it. They just go and go and go again, and just destroy teams until there's no way back. And I think oh, maybe the squad's not quite there yet, but I think there are, are occasions, particularly like against Albania, where you can, yeah, let's go again, three, four, and and really, you know, really finish these sides off and show how good these England players are. But and just touching back on your point, um, this idea of there could be the potential to change things and give all the players a bit of a, an opportunity to shine. Southgate is obviously a fan of neatness. Five goals and five substitutions against San Marino, two goals and two substitutions against Albania. Um, do you think that? Do you think that says what we're here speculating about? Who's going to be in the squad? Who's going to be in the starting eleven? Ultimately, Gareth Southgate is the person that decides all of this. Does that steer you to thinking that he's already decided? By and large, who is going to be in that first eleven against Croatia on uh, on June twelfth? Yeah, and and the thing is, like we really even this that we're doing now is we're just adding to all the noise that comes around this. And <laughs> you know, even just what you said a minute ago about like how how it's so important and all this. If you remember, the current you know holders of the European Championships only scraped through the group stages, you know, in third. 
and managed to lift the trophy. So that's how Portugal got there. So actually, you know, it's not necessarily you've got to be in complete perfection all the way through. And in terms of where where they are, yes, I think I think there is the talent in the squad. But importantly, and and this is something that I've seen Southgate has done uh, since he came in, and I remember seeing him on the coverage of the Super Bowl, and he was at the game, and. He took one of the ideas from the Super Bowl before England went to the World Cup, and that was this opportunity for the press to meet every single player. And it was like being at a jobs fair, and you could just walk around and you could talk to every player that was there, and basically you had two minutes and then you moved on. And so you could speak to every single player in the squad. It created this sense of openness, which hadn't always been there. And I think this is one of the things that that Southgate has been praised for, but I think we're starting to see it in, in the team selection as well. I think people are, are happy to, obviously happy to play and represent their country, but there seems to be a, a, a genuinely a really good spirit about that. And I think the spirit is there and it's strong enough that he could bring players off in big games and they'd be okay with it in terms of for the bigger, uh, for the, for the bigger prize. And so I, I just I'm just curious as to why that's not happening. Obviously, I'm making big comparisons between the way Guardiola does things, and you see, it's so interchangeable. A, a city, you know, I I couldn't tell you that the last time we played sort of two or three games with the same team, if ever, un, under Guardiola. And but you've got this real system now where you have it, it, everybody plays like a team. And I've mentioned it before. This is this is something that Guardiola has always done in his management. He's had somebody watch the bench while the game's been going on, and if you're just sat there bored on the bench, you're not getting the game. You know, if you're there and you're really involved and you're kicking every ball from the bench, then you're a team player and he, and, and he's got you in. But uh, yeah, I I, th- I think we it's a really difficult one because in this position now it's about trying to give some analysis of everything, and I find myself just kind of going, you know what. I, I'm trusting in Southgate, you know, in, in terms of just going. I think there's there is enough there, and there's a lot of pressure. And you know what? Even if even if he picks the best team available, we might still come up against a team that's better, you know, in one of the competitions. Jonathan, that idea, obviously, that Ant has brought forward a better team. The fact that when we get to the crunch of a, a quarter final or a semi final or even a final of a of a European Championship, it is going to be one of the heavyweights that England are, are going to be facing. And just looking ahead to the Euros and and these two games in World Cup qualification, everybody, as much as they're pretending that they're just focusing on the game in front of them, will be looking across, peeping over the fence at, at how the neighbours are getting on and. England from the teams that you would expect them to be challenging at the business end of in, in Euro 2020 or 2021. I don't know what they're actually going with this summer. Um, England are the only team to have won twice. France, uh, a win and a draw. Spain, a win and a draw. Belgium, a win and a draw. Portugal, a win and a draw, who, as Ant said, are the defending champions. And as much as this can be filed under, uh, you know, players missing from squads and it doesn't mean anything, etc., etc., these little edges are important. And... England and Gareth Southgate will be looking at these teams and saying they're not completely infallible. Kylian Mbappe missed the penalty for uh, for France. Belgium struggled to break down Czech Republic. You know we've won these two games. Hopefully, get a positive result against Poland and look to roll that into the summer. As it stands, England are joint favourites to win it alongside France, just ahead of Belgium and, and Germany. Who are England's biggest threats? in the Euros this summer, based on what we've seen from them in the in the last couple of weeks and based on what their rivals will be doing as well? 
I think it's going to be the same old names, isn't it? It's going to be Germany, France, Spain, etc. You know, someone like Kylian Mbappe. Okay, Mister Mister Penalty, but he's just a fantastic striker, and you just don't want to face him in in a, in the last stages. He can change games. I think I think one one thing to say about Southgate is is that you need luck to win a, a tournament. But the thing is, you can lose. You can go out of a tournament by playing badly or by making bad selections. So you, that's that's one thing they want. If they go out through bad luck, that's fair enough. Um, but I think you know he's got to get it. If he gets his thing, if he, if he gets everything right and it, and it doesn't happen, that's that's just, that's just too bad, isn't it? There's nothing you can do about that. But yeah, I think we're looking at Germany. Germany obviously going to be very very strong. I see them as you know they, you've got people like Gundogan, who's, who's been superb this season. Obviously, Sane we don't know about, but so many players in the Bayern Munich team like Kimmich, um, you know, yeah, they're just chock full of quality. And but one thing I would say, I would I wouldn't read too much into qualifications so far. I'm sure wasn't there a couple of times when England qualified with a hundred percent record? I'm sure they did. They qualify for South Africa with a hundred percent record, and then were absolutely dreadful. So <laughs> let's not read too much into it so far. Perhaps perhaps we would better just scraping through and see where we go from there. Okay, fair enough. Uh, a message of caution for Jonathan. We're going to call it there for uh, for part one and England duty. Jonathan, we're going to give you a quick break to go and check on your car to make sure the handbrake is where it should be and the foot brake, uh, the foot brake is where it should be as well. Um, no more car safety tips after the break. We're getting back to Premier League action as two of the biggest names in English football could potentially be looking for a new employer in 2021 with Sergio Aguero's contract up at Manchester City and Harry Kane demanding showdown talks with Daniel Levy and Jose Mourinho. We're going to be discussing that in just a second. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Weekend Review Show. With no Premier League action this weekend, we've been looking back at all the goals and incidents from the international break. But we're going to jump back over to Premier League matters now and talk about two huge stories that have emerged in the last 24 hours. Manchester City is the first stop and Sergio Aguero. Jonathan, there's a fair bit to unpack here, so we're just going to go through it stage by stage. According to reports from the Daily Telegraph, Manchester City, Pep Guardiola and Aguero have essentially decided that he won't be signing a contract extension when his deal ends this summer. Guardiola's been fairly pensive when he's been asked about this in the last few months and just kind of putting it on the long finger, we'll see how it goes, X, Y and Z. Aguero is potentially being courted by Barcelona, by Real Madrid, by his his former side Atletico. So before we look into the stories of Erling Haaland and according to the Manchester Evening News, Romelu Lukaku potentially rocking back up in Manchester, let's look at Aguero first. You cover a lot of Manchester City. We're not asking you to tell tales outside the schoolyard, but... What's the feeling? Is he going to sign another contract or do you just think that injuries have caught up on him this season? He's he's far below um, the level that we've seen from him in recent years and his legacy at City is well established. It it just kind of feels like the time is right to say thanks for everything, Sergio, but the time is right to go. Well, as it stands, yeah, he's leaving at the end of the season um, and there's no contract talks going on. It's... 
side there saying it's going to be left until the end of the season. I'm going to have to wait to them because there's so much football going on at City, obviously, uh, with, you know, they're still in form. So they're leaving everything. There's also Fernandinho, his contract's out at the end of the season. So they're saying nothing's going to happen until then. So obviously Aguero's had this huge problem with, he had the injury in the summer, which ruled him out for longer than was expected. He had a, an operation uh, and it took him a long time to recover from that. He came back, had a hamstring injury, which set him back further. Then he was ruled out because of COVID and things like that. And he just hasn't played much uh, game time this season. And that's that's his biggest problem, really, is getting onto the pitch and showing what he can do. And in the meantime, City have made this huge progress, having this, after a, a dodgy start, have recovered brilliantly, been in outstanding form. Uh, what is it, 27 wins out of 28? Yeah. So... Absolutely flying without Aguero, and how does he get back into the team? That's his big dilemma because without him, uh, Guardiola's developed a system where essentially plays without a striker. Uh, obviously, Gabriel Jesus is is there, but he he's not an out and out striker in the way that Aguero is. He works hard for the team. You know, he can also play as a, a left winger. He can, you know, he he works back into midfield. Um, so, you know, City have been so effective with with the system that they've been using, with you know Gundogan pushing forward, De Bruyne playing as a sort of pseudo false nine, Sterling can switch in, inside, Foden can do the job, uh, and it's just a frustrating time for Aguero because he needs to be on the pitch to get his back to full fitness. He needs to be at full fitness to get goals, and he needs to get goals to win a new contract. So. A big couple of months coming up for him. You know, he's not finished the city as it stands. You know, there is a chance that he can sign a new deal, but he needs to prove himself. And when you look at this, and obviously as a Manchester City fan, Sergio Aguero doesn't need to answer to anybody for his performances and what he's done at Manchester City and the title he's won and the performances he's put in that have, have made a <clears throat> an absolutely telling impact, not just during Guardiola's time, but during his entire time at, at the Etihad. But... David Silva has come and gone. Vincent Company has come and gone. Yaya Torre, even even someone like Pablo Zabaleta, who's loved by the Manchester City fans. Guardiola is is very calm on the situation, almost too calm. Uh, whenever he's been asked about Aguero and what's going to happen next, there does seem to be this thing of he's the last brick in the wall to to fall based on you know the first City title and then the success after that and then the success under Guardiola. As a City fan, and do you think collectively City fans have kind of made their peace that he is going to leave? Oh, I mean, there's, there's making your peace with something and then there's being, you know, then how you react to it when it happens. I I think <laughs> it will be something that he will... I was going to say there'll be a lot of tears when he leaves, but you know what? He'll never leave us. The, the, the impact that that man had... And bear in mind that he came... I was at 35 million at that start of the, the the season we won the league and literally hit the ground running and it, it was it was incredible and you know obviously that that whole first season that the, the the Aguero goal that everyone knows all too well just cemented like he could have just done that one season and that would have been it you know he he didn't need to do any more than that to be in the hearts of City fans he's done so much for us. You know, I I think the only thing now is is I would like to see him go out on a high. That's all you can ask for. 
you know, something something equating to how Drogba left Chelsea. <clears throat> you know, if we could get him scoring a goal in the Champions League final, then that that's it, job done. Absolutely, job done. But the you know, the, there has been injury issues with injuries and fitness. Uh, bear in mind as well, he said, I think he said two car crashes. One was in a taxi in Amsterdam, various things like that, which have, have led to a missing game. He needs to take better parts. care with his handbrake. Uh, and it, so it's not. <laughs> I thought there was going to be no mentions of that. I oh mean, yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, if, if you've if you've if you've ever seen him up close, like you wonder how he could ever get injured, you know, because he is a, a very strong individual. He is huge. Like I've, I've never seen calves like it on anybody else. But you know, obviously the the, the games, the way that he plays as well, has, has changed under under Guardiola. We all remember that as great and as loved as he as he is when Guardiola first came in it, everybody was worried you know Joe Hart went and then there seemed to be real discrepancies and real problems between him and Aguero and it was just because he wanted Aguero to play he didn't want him to, to, to he wanted him to play, to play the way that he wanted to play and um, it made Aguero a better player and he, he was always naturally gifted it's been it's been amazing to see I would just really like to see him go on if he does leave us at the end of the season I would like to see him go on and, and do something wherever he goes unlike we've seen so many I mean I know we'll get into replacements in a, in a moment but um, we've seen just over the road at United how difficult it is to replace a big name striker you know how, how difficult it is to get it right and then also when a striker comes that's had a big career it doesn't always work it, it doesn't always work because of the injuries because of fitting into that different culture uh, you know, all I can say is that some of my, and I'm sure it's the same for Jonathan, and, and probably I would dare say for for many non-City fans, in, you know, that are listening that are neutral, you know, some of my favourite footballing memories are around this man, and they they will always be there because they're so cemented into it, and you know he, he will have to leave sometime. Um, it's just going to be a sad day when he does. I just really hope that. You know, as I say, my dream would be go in the Champions League final, winning penalty, something like that, and then then he can, you know, move on. Um, obviously, Jonathan has answered talk if, and you know, we're still in the if stage. If Aguero does leave this summer, he's obviously going to turn to to a replacement. And as I said before, uh, Erling Haaland and, and Romelu Lukaku have been two names that are banded around at the moment. Um, Lukaku's United connections potentially uh, could be a factor but he's absolutely turned himself around in, in Italy, 42 Serie A goals in 62 Serie A appearances is a hell of a return but Erling Haaland is, is the golden boy he's who everybody is looking at at the moment and another report has pegged that Borussia Dortmund are going to ask for in excess of £150 million to even consider selling him this summer I can't believe I'm going to say this but, but hear me out on this Erling Haaland is, is phenomenal, he's a phenomenal goal scorer but if City were to go for him this summer, is there a danger that there's just a little bit of, well, everybody wants him, we have to get him as a statement as well as what he brings to the team? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is they don't want to get drawn into an auction. They've they've turned away, they've walked away from deals in the past. When you think of Sanchez, who went to United, uh uh, who else? Jorginho, who went to Chelsea. You know, they they won't pay over the odds if they Van if Dijk. they think that it's not worth it. Now, yes, Van Dijk's another one. Um, now, obviously, Haaland is something special, and every 
club in the world would like him. You know, his 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 age, his profile, what he's done so far. He looks like he's a future Ballon d'Or winner. So, if he's going to leave in, in the summer, every major club in Europe will want to take him. Um, so yes, certainly City will certainly be at the front of the queue. The price is a big thing. Um, but the other question, Marco, this summer is who's going to have money? Because we know so many clubs have been affected by COVID. Uh, there's been less money come, less money has come in for many, many clubs. You know, the likes of Barcelona, Real Madrid are really struggling for cash. Maybe Bayern Munich, City, Chelsea. There are clubs who will be in for him, but maybe not as many as, as normal. Now, I think Holland sort of talked about the possibility of moving and he said that he's, his next move won't be about money, about salaries. I know that all players say that. <laughs> uh, but if that's the case, then you would think that, you know, the, the opportunity to work with Guardiola is such a draw for many players. The sort of opportunity to work with Guardiola and, and at City, who was, you know, they're a club who are fighting for four competitions this year and... and you know, we've we've even seen teams like uh, Bayern Munich and 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 Barcelona, Real Madrid struggling this year, and City are there. They've got a good young squad, so you know it, it fits for everyone all round. But the big question is over transfer fees and who is prepared to pay it. And if Dortmund want that much money, maybe City walk away. Uh, it's all you know. It's all to be seen. Um, and so I'm going to come to you in a second on, on Gabriel Jesus and some of the options that City have already existed within the squad. But Jonathan, Lukaku, is this pie-in-the-sky talk? He, he obviously is still a brilliant player. I still think his his reputation was, was stinted a little bit based on United, but I think his, his situation at United was more of a, a factor that was affecting his performance rather than his own ability. He's proven at Inter Milan just how good he is. For anyone that, that did doubt him, if Haaland does price himself out of a move or Dortmund price him out of a move to City Lukaku will come in uh, for a lower fee do you think that's a realistic target for City a, a realistic point of interest yeah I think it's a, a possibility I think City will have a list of targets you know I, I don't think they'll be the only two I think maybe you know if Mbappe will leave Paris Saint-Germain I think they might be interested in that uh, Felix at Atletico maybe even Harry Kane I think we're going to talk about him a, a bit later on and, you know there's there's a few strikers out there who potentially could move this summer and and like I just said about you know there's not a lot of money floating about either so I think maybe City will can, can look at picking up one of these top strikers and you know, Lukaku's a goal scorer. He's done it. He did it at United, even if things weren't quite as uh, didn't go quite as well as maybe both sides hoped. He still scored a lot of goals for them. Scored a lot of goals for for Everton, and now scoring a lot of goals for Inter and probably playing some of the best football of his career. So, yeah, I think all, all the big clubs will be looking at all these players. So, it's not. It, it's certainly not unrealistic. But I keep going back to it. Haaland will be the one that everyone wants. So if there's any chance of getting him, I think everyone would go out all out for him. Um, and looking at records and Gabriel Jesus, I know you're a big fan of him. If Aguero leaves this summer and, and a, another big name striker doesn't come in to replace him, Jesus' record is going to come back under the microscope. And I'm just looking at the numbers here. 
He's only got more than 10 Premier League goals in two seasons since his arrival from Palermo in 2016. Yes, he struggled with injury and, and the bulk of his time at City prior to this season has been playing second fiddle to, to Sergio Aguero. I know Guardiola is more prone to rotation in certain areas and, and bringing him in and giving him a chance. But ultimately, we come back to the same question, which is, is he good enough in the big games? Is he good enough against the top six? I'm just looking at his record here. He scored eight goals against who you'd kind of broadly have in that top five, top six clubs in the Premier League. Um, and his record in the Champions League is, is mixed. It's improved in the last 18 months. As a City fan, would you be confident if Aguero left and Guardiola came out and said, Jesus is my man, forget about Haaland, Lukaku, Kane, anybody like that, I'm going to give him at least a season to have a crack at the whip? Oh, well, when you put it like that, it does put the pressure on. But I would say, yeah. And I, I think the thing is, when you say about the amount of goals in a season, I think if you're on a team that's struggling... You know, or trying to sort of get it, break into that top, that top four, top six sides, and you're only getting ten goals, then it's an issue. But when you're in a team that is is scoring them from everywhere, you know, I, I think this season we we, we got a hundred goals. He, he had quite a large contribution. Uh, sorry, a hundred points. He had quite a large contribution in terms of the goals there, and got the last goal that got us, uh, got us a hundred points as well. Um, and I think in that season, everybody except uh, Kyle Walker managed to score for us as well. So I think in terms of how City play, not necessarily a problem, but then you kind of go, well, actually, look, if what if we brought in a goal machine like uh, Erland Haaland and put them in that team, would it make a difference? And I think you would have to be very blinkered to say that it wouldn't. Uh... I think he's a very different type of player, a very different type of system. We've seen some incredible uh, performances from Jesus. We've seen some incredible pieces of skill. But the, the entire time he's been at City, he's been second fiddle to Aguero. But considering as well, like, the age of him, he's, he's 23. Not a bad person to sort of, like, you know, look up to in, in, in your in your f still very formative years. Like, we're talking, you know, massively about Kane and Lukaku who are four years older than him. Uh, so possibly that's me being a little bit romantic and a little bit kind of op optimistic about the situation. Uh, I just think he, he's, he's a different type of player. I think with with the way that City's built, with the players that we've got around him, it would... I would question it. I would question it, I'd have to be honest. But I would go, OK, I, I, you know, you're a much smarter... There are much smarter people at City than I am. And I'd go, OK, there's a plan here. I'll trust them and see where it is. And the, the other thing we have to consider as well, considering recent history as well, is that it's not just about sort of having the money to sort of uh, chip in. It's about whether or not that balance is in the, in the books after, after recent experiences as well for City. Um, the other big potential exit this summer is Harry Kane, Jonathan. Uh, reports from Sky Sports have claimed that he wants to sit down with Jose Mourinho and, and Daniel Levy after the European Championships. He's determined to kind of compartmentalise Tottenham season ending, then going away with England and, and hopefully, from his perspective, doing well, then sitting down and having the talk, uh, as much as you can have the talk or, or any sort of talk with, with Jose Mourinho. 
as it stands, Kane has got four years, uh, sorry, three years to run his contract. It expires at the end of the 23-24 season. He signed that massive contract back in, in 2019. Tottenham have a history of digging their heels in, particularly Daniel Levy, uh, with contracted players who either want out or other clubs want to buy them. But Harry Kane, there is a sense, is slightly reaching the end of his tether. He said multiple times he wants to win the big honours, the Premier League, the Champions League. And when you look at the fact that he's in his seventh full season as a, as a first-team regular at Tottenham and just some of the data, he's definitely keeping up his side of the bargain. He's been the top scorer every season that he's been a regular in the starting eleven. Uh, he's never dropped below 25 in all competitions. But in terms of the team... They've only finished in the top four 50% of the time. They've never finished above second. They've only gone beyond the quarter-final stage in the Champions League once when they lost to Liverpool. Um, someone is doing their best and someone is not. One of them is Harry Kane and one of them is Tottenham. Does he have a case when he sits down with Levy and Mourinho to say, I've given everything that I can for this club, but you guys are not going any further? Yeah, he's reaching that stage now where he, he can just see that his 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 career is coming towards its final stages, and he's in danger of not even being part of the the equation for winning major trophies. You know, he's he's going to be twenty eight before the start of when when next season starts, and realistically, well, Spurs aren't going to be in the Champions League, and realistically, they're not going to be Premier League contenders, and it's kind of not good enough for Harry Kane anymore. You know, he signed that massive contract. Uh, I think it was three years ago he signed it and you know it was a club that was going places they had a good manager in Pochettino they had this exciting new stadium opening and it is a fantastic stadium and, and you know they were they were playing Champions League football they were investing in the squad and they were looking like they were going places and that, now you look at them and there's big question marks all over the place particularly after that on the back of that Zagreb defeat you know what Larice said afterwards about the squad you know they're getting older. They got people like Alderweireld, who's still a key player there. He's he's not getting any younger. He's coming towards the end. Larice, I'm not convinced about. A few, you know a few players in the squad, and you think they're just not good enough to really compete for the Premier League. Gareth Bale's going to go back in the summer. He's obviously had a few things to say. So it's completely understandable that Harry Kane would be thinking about his future and thinking, if I'm going to win things, I am not going to do them at Tottenham. But like you said earlier, you know, Daniel Levy has got this reputation for driving a very, very hard bargain. Uh, there's not that much money floating around, as we said before. So I can see this being a very difficult summer for Tottenham and for Harry Kane because I can, I can see it being a, a big issue. I can see him wanting to go and Tottenham digging their heels in, like you say, and it being a difficult situation which quite often with Spurs transfers drags on until the very last day of the transfer window uh, I can see that happening again and it being a very unhappy situation but Jonathan as you say Daniel Levy Jose Mourinho when they get involved in a contract negotiation or a transfer bidding war they do tend to be very very stubborn um, and, and they won't let Kane go for cheap we've heard talk of 150 160 million and, and as we talked about with with Aguero and the situation there with Manchester City there'll be no shortage of, of interest in Kane but 
to give Spurs their chance and, and Spurs fans will be looking at this situation and they'll be worried about their best player um, he is essentially their captain I know I know Hugo Lloris is club captain but, but Kane is the leader in that team what can Daniel Levy and, and Mourinho say to him when they sit down how can they convince him to stay because he knows that this isn't just about money he knows that no matter how much money Levy gives Mourinho and we know based on Levy's previous record it's not going to be a huge amount he's not going to win the Premier League so how on earth do they try to keep Harry Kane at Tottenham Hotspur? Well I don't know what Harry Kane's feelings are about Mourinho um, but I think there are quite a few Spurs fans and I think there are a few players in the squad who would like to see the back of him. They're not keen on the football that he plays. I mean, there have been examples where they play some really great football under him, you know, obviously that massive win at Old Trafford, but a few other games where you thought, okay, things are a little bit different, but then they've gone back into the shell in in big matches. And you think, you know, you go back to the football they were playing under Pochettino, there's some exciting stuff. They've got good, good forward players obviously Son's a brilliant player Kane uh, and Dombele alike so maybe the uncomfortable decision would be if they decide to say right okay it's either Kane or Mourinho because they possibly both might not stay Uh, and if you were a Spurs fan I think most people would prefer that Kane stays they've got this Carabao Cup final coming up against City and obviously Mourinho the idea of him coming in was that he would win trophies. The question is now, is it about trophies or is it about the playing style? Because in in getting to a final, they seem to have lost a lot of that style that, that they had under Pochettino. And I think for some people, it's been too high a cost. And when you look at this situation, obviously it's a similar one to Aguero where we're still in the position of will he, won't he, if, why, what, what have you. But... If Harry Kane does leave Tottenham, if, as um, as Jonathan says, it's a bit of a showdown between Mourinho or Kane staying and, and Kane decides to go and Mourinho stays, um, the level that Tottenham could potentially drop down to is worrying. There are big names in that team. Song Hyo min is fantastic. Pierre Hoiberg, who Jonathan mentioned, has been a bit of a revelation this season. And there's yeah. lots of experience dotted through that starting eleven. But ultimately, you're dragging a massive player out and even if £150 million comes into the coffers it's £150 million potentially into Jose Mourinho's hands and we saw with Tottenham when they sold Gareth Bale to to Real Madrid in, in 2013 they got this huge fee they went out and bought four or five players none of whom really hit the heights there was there was mixed success right across the board I know Eric Lamela is is still at Tottenham but once Kane is gone, that money in the bank is only good enough if it's being spent on someone that can come in and replace him to the level or close to the level that he's operating at. Yeah, and, and we come back to that thing as well about, you know, no football fan ever goes, yeah, you look at our accounts for last season. <laughs> uh, you know, we're in this situation where Harry Kane is in real danger of becoming one of those footballers that we talk about, about being so great that never won anything. And he won't want that. You know, and, and let's be honest, there's no guarantee. There's no uh, guarantee that uh, there's just not enough trophies out there for every footballer to win something. It's not a sports day at a primary school. It's a serious competition. And so the, this, this does happen. But Kane is in this position now where 
yes, he's in with a chance of winning something in, in the Carabao Cup, but that's that's not. There's bigger issues here. You were talking about a guy that not only as you, you went through his record before in terms of the Premier League, you know, this is golden boot winner at the World Cup, about to go into the European Championships in good form as well, and without Champions League football for next season. There, there are many clubs out there that, well, every football club wants a goal scorer, you know, that, that's a, and a one that's as proven as he is and has got that ability. And we know as well that if he gets the right price, he will be sold by, by Tottenham. And it's it's a horrible situation to, to be in for, for Spurs fans right now because it feels, it almost feels inevitable. It's like a creeping doom that this is gonna is gonna happen, and it's not going to be nice when it does. I mean, I, I'm struggling to think what it would take to get him to stay because I think at this stage he, he's 27. It's not just going to be about um, it's not just going to be about money. Yes, that's a big part of it, but especially if if he comes out of this these European Championships and stays injury free and has a great tournament. Like there's got a lot of interest. I mean, bear in mind he's been absolutely phenomenal this season. The the partnership that he's had with Son, and as you said right at the beginning, he's kept his end of the bargain. He's done more than that. He's over delivered. He's been brilliant, and he will be no doubt. I'm sure very frustrated that he's been having a great season, and his his colleagues up front have been having a great season, and he's really put their bones in. But there's been some abject displays where they've just limped out of the Europa League, and just they've fallen away from the Premier League. Remember. At the point at which City drew with West Brom before going on that run, Tottenham, I think, that week or the week before, had been top of the Premier League. And and there's so much hope and potential there. That's going to be the, the crushing thing. I, I'm not sure what would keep him there other than love. And that may just not be enough. Sometimes love just isn't enough when you're paid £150,000 a week. Right, guys, before we call it a day, I'm gonna, I am I am going to put you on the spot. Jonathan, we're going to go to you first on this one. Um, the start of the 2021-2022 season, is Sergio Aguero still at Manchester City, yes or no? Ooh, yeah, I hope so, but I think not. And the same question, Harry Kane, is he still at Tottenham? Yeah, I think he will be. Right. And would you back Jonathan up on that? Do you think Aguero will be given a, a, an emotional fond farewell, but Jose Marino is just going to lock Kane in, in a dungeon somewhere in North London? Just for the interests of um, some kind of discussion points, I'm going to say <laughs> the craziest, most unexpected swap deal we've ever seen. <laughs> Aguero to Spurs so, uh, and Kane uh, to City. Yeah. Wow. I, I, do you know what? I hadn't even thought of that. But uh, given the fact that you're on the podcast, I should have thought of uh, something as ridiculous as that. Uh, I don't really know who'd be getting the better end of that deal because I, I still believe Aguero's still got another couple of years in him. But Harry Kane moving to Manchester City would be a game changer in the Premier League. As for the Football Social Daily, we're going to call it there for today. Ant, Jonathan, thanks so much. Thank you, Thank you very much. much. Pleasure.
Great stuff. And uh, despite the international break being on and there being no Premier League football here on the Football Social Daily, we are still at it. We have a daily podcast covering everything you need to know about the Premier League and also the international window. If you click subscribe on this episode, you can get a brand new one every day. Jim and the gang will be back next week looking ahead to England against Poland and the return of the Premier League next weekend. We'll catch you again very soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.